Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I hope you're all doing all right. It's another week. So that means another episode. And this episode was recorded at the Queen of Hoxton. And it was with my friend I haven't seen for a fair few years. I'm sure we we mentioned it at the beginning of the recording. It's Lisa Moorish, actress, uh, musician, um, DJ. I guess DJing is how we we met. Um, And... Lovely, lovely lady. And it was a smashing chat, which you're about to hear. Um, Before we get on with it, I'd like to thank the Queen of Hoxton for letting us record there. Um, I would like to thank Mr. 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, I would like to thank Newslot for supporting this podcast and remind you that if you want more content, then please head over to our Patreon page. uh, And over there you can get another standalone episode each week amongst other bits and pieces. I think that's it. I think we can just get on with it. Um, oh, just a quick one. Keep your eyes out for Pop Bible. Pop Bible is a magazine put together by myself, uh, Scribbius Pip and Adam Richardson, and it's your one-stop guide to, to podcasts. Um, there's print editions that are distributed across London, Brighton, Margate, and, and soon-to-be uh, Edinburgh. And you can read it all online. You can uh, read the copies online. You can download them at www.podbiblemag.com. Um, it's something that we do with Acast and with Spotify. And uh, and it's it's great. Please go and have a look because we're all really proud of it. And uh, and it's and it's gone down really, really well. And I guess a lot of that is due to use lot supporting it. So thanks again um, for, for that as well. Please enjoy Off The Beaten Track podcast with Miss Lisa Moorish. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And... What I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. 
In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. We are at the Queen of Hoxton. Thank you very much to those for letting me have a little bit of space here. And joining me today is uh, a, a, an old friend who I've not seen for quite a while. It's Lisa Morris. It is me. Hello. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm flustered. I'm flustered. flustered. My, my two-hour crazy journey in today has kind of got me on the back foot a little bit. But I was making hurried extra notes on the on the tube so i think we're we're all right and still uh, made it on time pretty much just about just mm. about and it's, it's good that i know you as well so it makes it a little bit easier than sitting in front of a total stranger yes. so we first met probably in this venue yes um you come and dj'd for me with sadie frost i did for i had a night with sadie's son finn yes that's right i forgot about that bit that yeah yeah and uh yeah it was it was it was a good night i think Grimmy DJ that night as well. Yeah, we rocked it and it was absolutely. Reciphons was with you as well, I believe. Who was? Yes, he, he popped in, didn't he? He did, yeah. It's yeah. all coming back to me. My memory is so bad, you know. And this is only, mind you, it's, it's a good, what, eight, nine years ago, I is it? That was about eight years ago. I'm another yeah. eight, nine years older. <sighs> and then we go. established when we got here that I did see you a few times since. You've DJed up a bits and bobs for me, mm. but I bumped into you in an arcade in Torrevieja <laughs> in Spain, which was pretty surreal. I was just there with my kids, and I just looked up, I thought, that's Lisa. <laughs> with her kids. So was I with both my kids on that holiday? I can't remember, because obviously one's a bit older, so, and sometimes they like, I can't remember, I, had both, I think I did have both with me. If that not, was very it's a very random. odd environment to be in with our children. <laughs> yes, there's definitely one of them there, but yeah, I was on a little holiday, and I bumped into you, and that was uh, quite strange, wasn't it? It was. It was bizarre, it was. of all the places. And it's not one of those places you go on holiday where you will bump into people necessarily yeah. from the UK. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so that sounds silly. They're not people maybe that we would know. I don't know. Yeah, Does that course. make sense? Of course. Yeah. If I, I go to a beef a lot and I expect to uh, bump into yeah. people sometimes, very unfortunately. Yeah. Not in a kid's <laughs> All the time. in Torvieka. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> anyway. It's lovely to see you again, Lisa. Thank you so much for doing this, mate. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, Lisa, track one. Tell me the song with the greatest ever intro. Uh, it's got to be Thriller for me, Michael Jackson, okay. with uh, Vince. Is it Vincent Price that speaks it on is. the beginning? It is, isn't it? I sometimes with Peter Cushing's Vincent Price's and always get and, them too um, confused. Who's my favourite of all? Dracula. Come on, we were talking. Um, 
oh, come on, this is what I do now. I'm like an old lady. You? Oh, you know, the one, you know, the really tall fella that played Dracula. Uh, Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee. Christopher, Christopher Lee. So I get them all mixed up sometimes, yeah. but it was definitely Vincent Price, it was. wasn't it? It was. Um, a phenomenal intro to a record. It's incredible, right? Yeah. And it's weird, like, do we... What's your stance on, on, on if you was DJing? Because you've DJed for me plenty of times. Yeah. Would you play Michael Jackson records now? As in what's been going on. Mm -hmm. but it's interesting you, you say that because my 15-year-old, who's about to turn 16, my son, he's a bit of an R. Kelly fan. Again, so uh, and we've thing. had the yeah so we've had the and I've always liked a couple of our I'm not a massive fan I've been saying to him there's better R&B in my opinion she's got for that you vibe to listen tune, to that is a tune of course <laughs> it is but there's others I think are, there's other music I think is better but he we were having a conversation and I, I was saying get that off and I was kind of concerned and he was reading about him he ended up doing a project about him at school and about what All he's right. been doing with uh, what's been going on with mm -hmm. the you know the cases with young girls and um Some Horrible shit. It's going pretty on horrible. So it's interesting you say that, and, and my answer to that is after a discussion with him, he's a wise little thing. He said, "Well, I think I was about to watch a film," and he said, "So, well, well, Harvey Weinstein produced that film. So does that mean you're not going to watch any of the, any of the films that That's he's a produced?" Great point. I said, and I thought about it for a second, and uh, the answer to your question is, I probably would still play a Michael Jackson yeah. record. But do you remember at the time uh, when Gary, it was, Gary Glitter was exposed? Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing Gary Glitter support Wham, mm -hmm. the Wham final at Wembley Stadium, showing my age here. And he supported them. Mm. I can't, it's an odd choice. And it's not, I suppose it wasn't an odd choice. It was actually quite a brilliant, sort of bizarre yeah. choice for George Michael to say, yeah. you know what, I'm going to have Gary Glitter open at Wembley yeah. Stadium. Whose live shows were remarkable? Absolutely remarkable. So, and he really was blacklisted, wasn't he, after mm. that all came out? Um, so now I think people are starting to think, well, yeah, I, I, I will continue. To, and I've heard Michael Jackson a lot since. Mm. And I, I notice it and I go, oh, okay, they've decided. No, everyone seems to be kind of yeah. just deciding to play the music. What, what do you think? I think it's to separate the music from the man, I can do and I have to do because... Yeah. The Smiths are my favourite band. <laughs> well, no, this is the thing. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. We're realising for years, haven't we as human beings put uh, talented people on pedestals? This is what I said yep. to my son. And we have to be so careful of doing that and kind yeah. of also being in denial mm -hmm. when people come out and say, so-and-so abused me or, or, or whatever, mm. sexually harassed me or whatever, to, to go, well, that, just because that person's famous and powerful and rich, it doesn't yeah. give them a... a a get out free, a get out of jail free card, does Completely. it? Completely. Or you know, so it's interesting. And it's seeing the the nonsense that's coming out of Morrissey's mouth lately. <gasps> well, for me, it's it. it, it I've always heart, thought this about him. Yeah. Well, I, I remember as a teenager, this is it. And someone did say the other day. Uh, he's always been. He's always said these sorts of things. And I remember, I remember buying Smash Hits magazine when I was a teenager, and he said the similar thing. Uh, it wasn't as quite as brutal as he's being now, but he said he alluded to you know the thing he's saying about um, people of certain races should stick to their own race and whatnot. And I remember reading that when I was about 15, 14, 15, smash it, and I was really angry about it because I'm mixed race. Of course I would be, especially maybe people that are, you know you're like wow I'm I'm actually part of sure. two races and this person's banding this idea around yeah. that they shouldn't even be in the same room. Yeah. So. Um, I've always kind of known it, but then I did, for, I, you, like, it's weird, isn't it? And then I went for a phase in my, I didn't really get into the Smiths till I was pretty late, really, like early, tw like late teens, early 20s yeah. for me, because I was a real soul girl. I was yeah. listening to LWR radio and all that kind of stuff when I was mm -hmm. a teenager. 
I liked Blondie and I liked some rock and roll, but I was much more of a soul girl. So I got into them much later and I kind of forgot about it. Or did I? This is the thing you kind of go, well, the music's so good. But again, yeah, I'd, I'd dance at a Smith's record at a party. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll never sort of just, it, it's, it's such a shame though, isn't it? For someone who's worked. Die Hard. If you're a Die Hard Smith fan like I'm you, then I've got my Smith's deepest sympathies. Oh, and no. And, and, you know, that's the words he said in the songs. Yeah had so much impact on me as a young man. And, and it's, it's interesting that he's never, for someone who's so passionate about this stuff, that he is, this, this right-wing sort of rhetoric, it's interesting, it's, never, it's not come across in his songs at all, has it? There was... Or is there anything, or am I missing something? Because I'm not a, a diehard. He had a track that got a lot of controversy, I think, around the kind of... Sorry for any background yeah, noise <laughs> there. Is Enjoy this, that. This is a thriller thing. We're talking about thriller, so it's convenient, <laughs> slamming doors. We're raw, we're renegade. There was a track, um, I think probably uh, maybe early to mid-90s, called National Front Disco. Right. Um, and then at that point, it was when he come on and supported Madness at Madstock, which was a gig I was at, at Finsby Park, and he come on with a Union Jack, and there was lots of right. farrah around then. But, um, but it everyone kind of wrote it off as him being a bit eccentric or maybe Completely. right and this is the thing it's all is he mocking racist because yeah. there is that and it is funny yeah. to do that and that's what i will do i think yeah. it's funny to mock or sort of own what someone is, is yeah whatever it is so i think maybe people kind of thought and hoped that that's what he was doing it seems but he wasn't, however, <laughs> more it? recent stuff's just you, you can't you can't dismiss it as that it's, no it's, i can't i mean i, I just i'm it's absolutely abhorrent, isn't it? And, and at least it's not... I mean, now is, there's, there isn't the Smiths as such, is there? Yeah. I mean, we're not having to kind of, of have course. a dilemma, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you th I mean, I doubt Johnny Marr at this stage would go back into a situation with him where he'd get on stage with him. Do you think he would? I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought I so. He'd be Johnny one of be associated with that. That's year, not him at all, is it? He's doing quite all right on his own. You know, I wonder he, what he thinks. People must be asking him. He must be getting phone calls, right? Saying, Do you, can you comment? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> Awkward. He's too cool to worry about that. Of course, but of course he must be feeling a bit because people will be thinking, well, did you, it's in, you know, not, I'm not personally, but um, it's a terrible shame and I do feel for the Smiths fans because I know it's been, yeah, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. But this is what we're saying with idols, love the music and the, creative, the creativity, but we've got to stop putting people on pedestals. Completely. Because they're always going to fall off, you know. You never know who it's going to be that Absolutely. you idolise. It's, it's given us a different perspective on celebrity yeah. Idolism, all that kind of yep. thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Which is maybe not a bad thing. I just wonder about the Michael Jackson tribute acts. <laughs> are they like, especially the ones that have almost had surgery to, to look like them. Are they just thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, what can I do now? Well, they'll be in deep denial because I don't know if you've caught, on Twitter, caught wind on Twitter. There's someone I follow and he is, he's actually called the paedophile hunter. He did a documentary. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah. And part of that, this other director who did this recent film about the two guys that have grown up and come forward. Uh, so he has a lot of Jackson fans coming at him yeah. and they're just in complete denial. So yeah. these people who are impersonators, there's a, there's a whole section of people who yeah. will never ever, even yeah. if they have the evidence in front of their eyes, I think whatever, yeah. they don't want to know. This is what I'm saying about people's getting wrapped up in, in people being famous Completely. or their stars and their idols, yeah. you know? Well, at least to touch on, on intros, yeah. I want to know a little bit about when you was, when you was making music throughout your career, I want to know how it changed from the early music you made, yeah. which was far more sort of soul and R&B styled music, yeah. to then the stuff you'd done when you signed to Pop Tones, which yeah. was far more guitar based and more mm -hmm. sort of band structured. Would you... 
Excuse me. Hi. Do you mind not slamming the door? <laughs> That's all right, darling. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Yeah, just if you wouldn't mind. Thanks. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, Lisa wasn't telling me to shush then. <laughs> no, I wasn't telling you to shush. Telling someone to stop slamming a door, bless him. He's trying to get his job done, bless him. But um, Was there a different approach to writing... Like, because in the current climate, we, we, music it has to be so instantaneous yeah. for, for commercial music to yeah. hook you right from the very beginning. Mm. Did you approach writing music very differently when you started to when you found yourself in a more of a kind of band format? With, with, you know? uh, not really, actually, because the way I wrote the album, the, the, what you're referring to is Kill City, the band yeah. I was in, which was sort of electro-punk, for argument's sake. Um, if you want to label it. And uh, what I did was work with two producers, essentially, and, yeah. and wrote the song, co-wrote the song. So there was only two, three of us, really, yeah. in a room. One was sort of programming, so there was still the electronic yeah. element involved as far as it was quite, it wasn't the same as the sort of four-piece or three-piece sure. rock and roll setup, yeah. songwriting setup. Um, See, so it was different in, in some respects. I mean, when I started out writing, I was, I mean, I started in the Acid House. The first time I wrote a song, I was 17 and I, was, I went to Jive Records with my manager and he was trying to shop me for a record deal. I'd never written or created anything. I'd just sung. And um, they put me in a, a writing booth. Like a, they put all the things they had, a studio. Yeah. It was the BMG Studios. Sorry, Lisa, I'm going to shut right. that door because there's now going literally on. someone drilling. <laughs> it's Mercury Retrograde, folks. So uh, travel and uh, disruption is to be expected. <laughs> it's all going on today. It's, it's energies. It's all good. So, yes, I, um, I was shoved into this booth and I was given a backing track. I don't often tell this story. And it's quite, I was only 17 years old. And it was the record Rock to the Beat, which is a song that was originally uh, recorded and released by Kevin Saunderson. Uh, by Reese and Santonio was the late the guys city? who was uh, in ten. In, uh, hang on, sorry. Oh, could you phone me now? Because there's ten city in a city. It was in a city, yeah. And um, so I wrote these lyrics to this song that didn't really exist. Um, there's only three words in it to begin with, which were rock to the beat, yeah. rock. That was it. So I wrote this whole uh, these verses, this whole song, and um, they liked it. They were only sort of testing me out, and they said, "Actually, let's make it. A, why don't we try and make this a single?" They contacted Kevin Saunderson, shoved me on a plane to Detroit. Off I went. At seventeen. Seventeen, and um, they uh, I, I I ended up sort of writing. He didn't want me to write the lyrics. He's, he had this. <laughs> it's quite mad. This story. He had this girlfriend who was a singer. I was meant to be writing the song with him and recording it, but he 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 sort of changed all the lyrics and let her write it. It was a really odd thing. It was this odd. It was a political thing, I guess. Anyway, by the by. But um, it was amazing. And Juan Atkins actually produced it. And it was in this big, crazy barn studio, converted barn in the middle of nowhere in Detroit. It was such an amazing experience. And that's some amazing people I worked with at 17 years of age. It was really amazing. It was really amazing. And and I I, I think I was in present for every moment at that age I couldn't believe what was going on yeah. and Detroit's such a strange place and I was I'm quite a strange person in that sense so I embraced it it wasn't yeah. New York which would have been it was yeah. crazy it was like Robocop there yeah. were people literally kind of coming into uh, Burger King with sort of a denim it was like a thriller video people looked yeah. like zombies because there were so many people on crack and but I was living it out like a movie scene Anyway, to answer your question, to go back to what you were asking me, um, I used to be giving, so I very much started working on that basis of being giving a backing track by a DJ stroke producer yeah. and I'd put the lyrics to it. So that's how I started. Yeah. It was, it, I, was, I, didn't, I don't really play many instruments. Mm-hmm. 
very loosely can play guitar and mm -hmm. piano. A bit lazy. I've been always been lazy about learning properly. Yeah. But actually, this, it's a shame because I'm actually, I don't want to sound, I'm quite musical and I can pick something up and yeah. pick it up quite quickly. But I don't write in that way. So, yeah. But it's nice to sit with a guitarist or somebody who plays keyboards or piano yeah. and write in that way. I just want to sort of touch on that a little bit of, of being 17 years of age and, and going to Detroit. I mean, that's... That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, when, when yeah. I think of how I was at 17 years of age, I, you know, I wouldn't have done that. I, I was not mature <laughs> enough to have understood that, or I don't know. Like, how, how did that feel? Um, I mean, I was I was raving at that time. So this was 80s. I don't know. I'm showing my age. I really, I've been saying the other day. I'm really sensitive <laughs> about my age. But don't be sensitive about it. Just go with it. I'm, Fuck <laughs> off. I, I, I don't want to get older. I don't want to grow up. It's a trap, as they say. Um, <laughs> But I was, it was sort of late 80s, mid to late 80s, and I was already listening to Acid House. It was already out there, and it was just so like, wow. And I was quite grown up. I think I'm, when I got this deal, I got money for the publishing deal. It wasn't much. It was a lot then for a 17-year-old. I lived yeah. on a council estate in Brixton. Yeah. It was nuts. I got a record deal. I'm the only person probably in my area out of all my friends or any of us. Yeah. It was a real kind of like rags to not riches, but, yeah. you know, a turning point. And also I was kind of on a bit of a... If I'm honest, I was I was on a part two. It sort of took me out of a place really where a lot of people around me were going to prison. They were criminals. They were whatever. That's what the reality was. Yeah. So if I wasn't doing that, I think I may have ended up. God knows where I'd have ended up, to be yeah. honest. So it was a real sort of rescue story of of like kind of going on this path and been taken yeah. off into this world. But what I actually meant to be doing really was going to drama college. I never yeah. meant to do singing, and I do act as well yeah. now. And I sort of made a point of sort of exploring that, but um, I didn't even really mean to do it. It was an accident, really. Yeah. I, I just sort of, I answered an advert in the NME, which is ironic because years later I ended up suing them. But anyway, <laughs> I answered an advert, started and finished with them. I answered an advert in, um, in the NME looking for a singer. It was really bizarre. This is before Detroit. I was 15 and it was a weird, there's a couple of rich guys from Switzerland or somewhere. They'll make it sound like it's dodgy. But they had no idea about the music industry, but they wanted to be in it. So they put, I did a country demo, a country music demo. Yeah. And it was the first time my voice had been recorded. This is way, but two years before the Acid House yeah. thing. But I wasn't really into the music, but I just wanted to sing. Yeah. I was just getting out there. Try, I was trying to escape the life that I had as well. Yeah. I thought, well, I can see anything to get out of there. Um, but anyway, so that's how it started, weirdly. That, yeah, it's, it's, so I started 15 getting out there on my own and really looking for this because my mother uh, was working and not, you know, I didn't come from a, a thing of pushy parents who can afford to send their daughter yeah. to drama school or, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with that if you can. Great. But I, I wasn't. So I did this myself. I got off my ass and really sort of, yeah. Okay. Well, we, we'll pick back up on, on that journey as this, this podcast unfolds. Um, but right now, let's get up to to track two, which is the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Oh, yeah. So that is Joan Armour Trading, uh, Love love and Affection, That's isn't right. it? Yeah. Because yeah. I always forget the title of that song. Yep. Really well, love, really I've, I've love. Done, I've done two of these podcasts in the last week and both of you have chose that. You're kidding? Yeah. Who is it? Who chose Who else? Uh, Kate Thornton. Wow, you're kidding. Mm. How funny. <laughs> And for this, for this reason? Yeah. Oh, that's mad. It's me thinking I'm all, you know, unique. <laughs> I love Kate, though. I like Kate Thornton, so that's all right. I'm in good company. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those songs. My, maybe she's going to say she said the same as me. She's probably around the same age as me. Uh, are we all right there? 
Yeah. Uh, she, it's a song my mother used to play a lot in the house when I was little, and I think I remember her. She had a tricky relationship with my stepdad, so always lots of tears and lots of that stuff going on around uh, around the, the house at that time. I'm sure, she'll forgive me for saying that. And um, that was one of her songs. I think she would put on and have, have a bit of a. Sorry, the door. <laughs> that was one of those things that. Um, that one of those songs, I think, that there'd be sort of a bit of tears or sad. That's the songs that your parents maybe put on if they yeah. want to be romantic or feel a bit, you know, sad and have a cry. And it just is. She's such an amazing artist, Joan Armour Trading, isn't she? Her voice. Absolutely. Original Tracy Chapman. Like, uh, Love and Affection is absolutely It's unbelievable, isn't it? Record. Yeah. Do you think there being tears and stuff like that at home, just going back to something I mentioned earlier, do you think that, maybe made you grow up slightly quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And, and you can, you know, it's, it's tricky talking about this stuff because you never want to talk about your parents publicly and go, oh, this was happening because I'm a parent and yeah. you do your best. But my mother, it was really tough for her. She had me when she was 21. Well, maybe that wasn't particularly young in the 70s, but it was young enough. But for an unmarried mother, a white woman from up north, a black father... They weren't married. They yeah. weren't really together. So um, she had a very tough ride. Um, and she actually... I'm going to... Going to uh, she actually told me the story of when I was... Uh, which I don't talk about much either. When I was born, she... Because she was under such pressure and she was on her own, she decided she was pressured to give me up because it was thought to be maybe the best yeah. option. So she did actually put me up for adoption. Wow. And when in the hospital... When they, the nurses, when I was actually born, they sort of wrapped me up and she said, can I just hold her for one second? They said no. And they treated her really badly. And I think that was because I was a mixed, a child of colour, you know, whatever yeah. it was. She was this white woman. So she's had, she had a really, really tough ride, my mum. And then she ended up getting me back. This family supported her and she thought, you know what, I need to have... I need to get this, the baby. I need to get my baby back. Yeah. And the, the family that I went to were a neurosurgeon in Edinburgh that used to take in, you know, foster children because you only you can only be fostered, I think, for the first six months of a, yeah. of a baby's life. So yeah, so you kind of you can imagine that leading to you know it's quite a difficult life for her when she was um, when she first had me and she's done phenomenally well to sort of go through all of that. Yeah. So there was you know and she had difficult relationships and whatnot. And I think for people in mixed relationships, going back to the Morrissey thing, people weren't supportive of it. Yeah. So I think, especially if it was a white woman who was going to get into a relationship with a black man, in those times, black men were very demonised. There was no support for it. And everyone was telling you it's wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't be together. The looks you're getting. So how those relationships often don't succeed. Yeah. They didn't succeed. To get through that was very difficult. Um, like gay relationships or you know yeah. things that are scorned upon or frowned upon. So did that give you issues growing up with your identity um yeah it did actually and it still does <laughs> it doesn't go away i don't think not for me I, I do meet other it. people that yeah. are mixed race like me and and um and they it does it depends where you grow up i mean i've met girls like me and it, amazingly they say oh, i didn't have any racism where i grew up in yeah. a little village in wherever yeah. i grew up with all white people it was all fine and i kind of go wow really so i didn't have that experience it really does depend obviously but for me yeah, definitely. And I think there was a pressure because everyone was really divided. So you had, you know, the mixed people were kind of in the middle. Mixed race girls or boys were more accepted by white people because you were lighter skinned. Yeah. They would be sort of so black, you know, you, you, black people yeah. would maybe feel slightly kind of um, affronted by that, sure. understandably. So you're kind of somewhere in the middle. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of a weird, but I'd always say I'm not 
black, I'm not white, I'm, I'm mixed, <laughs> whatever that might mean, yeah. because I don't want to get caught up in a... You often get into that war between yeah. the two, you it's, know. It's refreshing now when I hear my children talk mm. to know that it's very different from how it was when I was a child. Yeah. Um, because my, my children will, you know, on, honestly, they will just literally say... They'll just say their name, whereas yeah. for, for, you know, for, and, I, and I'll be honest, like when I was probably their age and mm. I would go home, I would be, oh, that's the black guy in my year. Yeah. And yeah. It just, it's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. It's that's just beautiful. like, and it's, and it's so nice to see now that these things don't have any, it's changing. Yeah. I th it is. And it is. I mean, I'll argue with on that because I think. I'm, such, I'm a big campaigner for, and I drive people nuts on social media and I do warn people, they come on and they go, well, you do go on about racism a bit, don't you? And I say, well, if you don't like it, yeah. you don't have to follow me. But yeah, that's completely. something I will always, until I feel that it's something that, well, I don't know if it ever will, yeah. uh, until I'm always chasing what I call racists back into their caves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, so as you're obviously aware, I think you're right though. I think a lot of, mostly, I love to hear that that your kids, or I hear, I hear a lot of people say, you know, my kids don't even think like that. We're in a nice area where the kids are mixing and they don't care or it's not even an issue. Yeah. I mean, I, li but, I live in Essex and it's not nice where I live. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But, but literally it was my daughter's prom the other night and, and she was there and there was different people of different colours and the, the guy that took her... Um, come out when he was 15 and oh. they see none of it they don't judge on any of it yeah and that's the same as my son and with his friends it's wonderful and mm. and again it, you know it would have been one of them things that and and I've since seen him and there was there was one lad in my school who who was who was gay yeah and and he suffered mm. and you know it's so sad isn't and, it and it's it's horrendous but you know and I, and it's and I told him I said like you know my daughter's like friends like literally come out at 15 when the same age as when you was probably being torn apart in my school. Yeah, and he's been um, embraced. And, and he's been embraced. And it must be, that's nice for, and it, for someone, you know, for gay people that have struggled to come out or been sort of demonised or whatever, abused or whatever growing up for being what they are uh, to hear that younger people, yeah. that's all you want to hear. Do you think it's a thing with the older generation that's the problem with what's going on with the, rate, the rise of racism again? I mean, I see things with young people doing stupid things and I often think young people can be forgiven as long as they learn the area of their ways and apologise. I, I, <laughs> I live in an, an area where... Um, Nick Griffin used to yeah, actively. Yeah, I, I, I know. I remember um, him well. And um, Gray's, where I live, was yeah. was a BMP stronghold. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I'm aware of that with that area. And, and it's it certainly doesn't represent me and my thoughts. Yeah. But obviously, there's a lot of people in my area who mm. do subscribe to that, yeah. and, and I see it on social media. People that I've you know gone to school with, and people that post things pro Tommy. Robinson. I've got that. I've, I've, people try to add me that I've known knew when I was younger. And as soon as I see their Tommy Robinson, I won't yeah. add them because I can't look at it and, yeah. I, and I won't. I just, you know what? Yeah. If you want to ask me why, I'll tell you why. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't look at that stuff. And yeah. you're entitled to it to think yeah. it and do whatever you want, support whatever you want. But I don't want any part of it. Yeah. It's it's mad, isn't it? When I mean, it's people Fuck you knew guy. that you grew Fuck up with. Guy. Well, exactly. So. Um, so yeah, it's all, I suppose it's all. It's interesting talking about this and talking relating it to music, and it's all interwoven, isn't it? An yeah. artist that you love or listen to, and becoming a songwriter yeah. like I did, making music. Um, Surprise, my music's not been more politically driven, but it isn't necessarily. The, it doesn't necessarily have to be. But then I don't know. House music and stuff is. A, I think it all has a pol political relevance, doesn't it? What's whatever's going on yeah, I mean, in, in was there you know. Anything more 
jarring for, for the government than acid has. Yeah, it's, it is a revolution and a, and a, a, a revolt, isn't it, against yeah. whatever the establishment and everybody kind of going, fuck on you, we're going to go and... Criminal Justice Act, right? And, yeah. You know, there was, there was you know, it's, it's kicking against the pricks, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it is. I want, do you think it's going? There's not. Do you think there's anything going on to to rebel? I suppose grime is something completely. that's that's completely. definitely 100. percent And of course, it's it's deemed controversial and this, that, and the other. And you probably saw the stuff with Stormzy. Of course, yeah. Uh, and I'm a fan. I don't love all of his music. I really like a few of his yeah. records. But even if I didn't, yeah, I felt that you know the, it's the obvious people, and they won't say why. And I, but I'm like, come on, you you, you criticize this guy has achieved something amazing, and yeah. you can't even give him that. There's some of the people that were seeing on Twitter I'm like let's all be honest about why yeah. and then you look at their timeline and yeah. it's Tommy Robinson this and Tommy Robinson that and that no it's not racist I'm like come on just say what it is the, yeah. the, the biggest funniest thing for me always with racist is that they deny they are yeah <laughs> they say you're pulling the race card I'm, I'm like racist, well hello yeah. hello I've interrupted the podcast again haven't I sorry it won't take a sec all I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through 
and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Race aside with, 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 with grime. Yeah. It's every bit as DIY and as confrontational as punk. Absolutely. What's the difference? I, I don't see it. I, I don't What's see any difference. And I, it is the know. same reaction, isn't it, to when punk came out? Oh, they're you know, encouraging this, encouraging violence, encouraging sex and drugs and rock and roll. And it's the same reaction. And, and yeah. it's, But it's always great to have that revolutionary yeah. mu- uh, music, isn't yeah. it? Otherwise, where, where the, are we? And those that, 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 that query, a lot of it's ignorance. Mm. You know, um, of course, yeah. And I think anything that's going to shake up the music industry, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I wonder I really what's know. next. I always wonder what's going to be. And and to be honest, I've wondered that for a long, long time because I, I keep looking at guitar music, and I, you know, there's there's lots of things out there that I, I really like that are exciting. But growing up, and I've, sp- I've spoke about this quite a lot on this <laughs> podcast, but the age that I am, and we're not dissimilar in age, Lise, mm. and to be able 25, to 25, yeah, like yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> But to live through the evolution of hip-hop in the UK, yeah. Acid House, House Music, ha- uh, Manchester, um, Grunge, Britpop, so many massive scenes yeah. all exploding. Yeah. And don't know where is, what's happened since that's... that's uh, Nothing apart really from with guitar music, grime. has it? I mean, I agree with you and I talked to... My friend's son's in a guitar band, and they were good. I saw them the other night. I called the Maritimes, give them a name check. They're really good, and I think they're really promising. Um, they could do really well. And I said to him, "It's tough for you guys because you know if to break through, if you can break through as a guitar band at the yeah. moment and really make an impact, the way that you say, as you say, grunge bands, yeah. pop bands did, and previously to that, the seventies, yeah. the sixties." Um, it's a tough time for that. And I, I, I've got to say, I don't want to make a statement like this because I don't, I'm, it's not like I'm out there looking for, to listen to guitar bands. I'm sure there's some brilliant ones out there, bloss, you know, bubbling away. But I don't, there's a lot, it just got really bland, I think, after the sort of libertines period, the 2000s, the noughties, that around that time, then there was the sort of copy bands. For me, it got really bland. Yeah, I'll And totally some agree. of the bands that are big, and I don't want, I never, I'd never slate other people. Yeah. I don't think that's a polite thing to do, but some of them were so genetic. I was like, oh, this is boring. Yeah. No one's got anything to say. It's just yeah. a copy of, uh, as I say, I'm not exactly out there mate, having number one records at the moment, yeah. but hold, hold, mind you, watch that space. <laughs> um, but we, we, we'll, yeah. we'll touch on, on the libs in regards to Janie Jones yes. and stuff a little bit later on okay. as we, we work our way through mm-hmm. um, your career. Song Free Lease, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So this is Wham, Young Guns. Right. So that, I mean, there's a, there were a few. That was tricky to pick that one because there are, and also that the other one was, um, which came after was um, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. So I remember those songs where you're in the playground and the girls being Pepsi and Shirley. So that was one of the main reasons. That was what was great about that band when I saw them top of the pops. Maybe it wasn't so great that the girls were behind supporting if we want to get into the whole, but I'm not going to get into that. but it was great to see these two guys that, like, you're, you know, you're, I was really young and you're kind of like, oh, my God, these exciting pop stars, pop, pop stars. I want to buy that record. Oh, my God, look at the two girls behind. There's a white girl and a black girl. Yeah. This is, you know, so that yeah. for me was really like, wow, as a kid. And that record was, it's a great record, that record, actually, isn't it? Young yeah. Guns. Absolutely. So they were trying to do the sort of copy pop soul thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we do it in the playground, you know, being Pepsi and Shirley. And, and I fell in love with George. Yeah. A few years later, kind of thought, mm, I'm not sure. I think I prefer Andrew. Didn't quite realise why, maybe. <laughs> but obviously, as we all later on, maybe it was, you know, that he wasn't particularly into his women as such in that way. 
Am I right? In God rest his soul. You worked with George Michael. I did. I released a record with uh, him or featuring. T- we did a duet. And it was released in about 95. And it was a cover of a Wham song called I'm Your Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sang on it. The only reason he couldn't promote it is because he was in a, in a battle with CBS, who he was signed to at the time. He wanted to leave the label and they refused to let him go. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't allowed to record or release anything because he, he, they owned yeah. him. So that was his thing, you know, I'm not going to do anything then. Yeah. And I think he's, for six years, he didn't do anything. Yeah, so right. what he could do, though, he said, I can sing on it. You're not allowed to put my name. And you can't say it's me. You've got to be mysterious about it. Which sort of backfired because he couldn't get behind it. And what he did, which was amazing, and I was thinking about this the other day, really, he gave a girl, an unknown singer, which was me, an amazing opportunity. He was one of the biggest artists in the world. And he liked what I was doing. And the story is that we were recording my album upstairs in Psalm West in, in Notting Hill. He was downstairs. I'm a massive fan. The producer and we were freaking out. And we, we decided to do a cover of I'm Your Man. That was a coincidence, by the way. And he went down and said, look, we're doing this cover of your song. Do you fancy doing some backing vocals? He said, I'll do better than that. I'll come and sing. I'll do one of the verses. How does so, a Wham fan from, deal with that? Do you know what? It was, this is so embarrassing. So when I met him in the studio, I think he walked into this sort of uh, this living room area. It's a really fl- it's a flash studio, Psalm West. It's owned Trevor Horn's wife owned it, or Trevor Horn owned it, and his wife, uh, Trevor Horn produced Grace Jones, etc., etc. Frank goes to Hollywood. Yeah. So it's his studio, um, and um, it's really plush. And he walked into this living room area, and I literally fell on my knees behind this sofa. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> And I couldn't look him in the eye or speak to him. And he was sort of, I don't know what he thought, but I think he thought I was just being a bit off or a bit, I don't know what he thought. I couldn't, he he was such a big star to me. So unfortunately, I didn't sit and have a like candid chat like we are now. Yeah. I wasn't able to do that. We had one night where we went out after an Oasis gig. Was it a U2 gig? I can't remember. I mean, it's hard to remember a lot of stuff in the 90s. So... Yeah, and he was out, and we had a night out, and I'd had a few drinks, so we actually got to hang out, and we went back to someone's house, and he was there, and I watched him in the corner doing the George Michael dance, which no one can see, but he used to do the elbow thing, didn't oh, he? Oh, amazing. I literally just stared at him across that room, and I thought, I just couldn't really converse with him, and if I did say anything, I'd say something really stupid yeah. to try and overcompensate, so it was, I think he just thought I was a bit of an idiot. <laughs> if George Michael, he must have constantly come face to face with women that probably reacted like that that just thought it's George Michael yeah but you know because I was a recording artist so maybe I could have I should have tried to I just couldn't with him yeah. I've met lots of different famous people yeah. along the way and some it's like whatever but I have this thing as well I thought I'd, I always want to be impressed I know people talk about this stuff and oh well I'm not impressed I don't we had the conversation earlier about putting people on pedestals and such because they're famous but I like to be I always want to be impressed if I meet someone great and they've made a a certain album or record that I love. I want to feel like that kid. Do you know what I mean? I think it's sad if you don't, if you become jaded and you're like, oh, yeah, I've met Bowie and whoever. And yeah, whatever, you know, I kind of think that's a bit of a shame. So, yeah, that was a mad experience. But um, I wasn't in the room when he did his bits. For some reason, maybe he just didn't. Might have been an issue of trust as well. He put himself on the line as he was a public figure. I could have maybe gone to the news of the world and said, oh, you know, which I didn't and I wouldn't do. But... um, Yes, yeah, so we released it. it. Got to number twenty-four, but it was a bit. Is it him? Isn't it him? So it kind of. And he was cross about that. He said to me, "I think your label messed that up." Yeah. 
And I said, well, yeah, but you couldn't promote it. So maybe that was yeah. part of the problem as well. It was just one of those things. He said it was, he was upset that it didn't do better. Yeah. And there was a record I released after called Mr. Friday Night, which I'm going to do a remake of Oh, soon. really? Yep. I've made a song. I've, uh, uh, well, I'm going to say this now, but I don't know if you're aware of it. I'm uh, releasing a song soon. I've recorded a new single. It's a cover of Everything But The Girl. Uh, and it's just the song, uh, I, never knew, uh, I Never Knew I Was Looking For Love Until I Found You. What a lovely record that is. A little wonderful Tracy Thorne. So I've done a version of that and we'll be releasing that soon. Amazing. Yeah, and we're going to do a remake. It's a producer I met in Ibiza, very randomly, a friend of a friend. He's looking for a vocalist. I've not even thought about going back in the studio, but I said, okay, why not? As long as Absolutely. I don't have to chase record deals and run around to labels, then fine. I don't yeah. want to be doing that at this yeah, stage yeah, of my yeah. life. Um, and I've done it too much, so, uh, we'll, so we'll see. But I'm doing a remake. Anyway, George Michael loved that, and he said it. He called it a delicious pop song, he called it. So he really liked that song, and he was into what I was doing. So there is that bit of me that's gutted he couldn't really get yeah. behind me publicly. Yeah. But that's how, it, I believe that's the way it was meant to be. Yeah, I don't completely. think I was meant to be really particularly rich and famous and successful at that point, because I was a little bit self-destructive, shall we yeah. say? Yeah, So... I think George was a little <laughs> bit of that as well. Yeah, I mean, haven't that? This is the sort of history. All the films, Elton John films, yeah. and there's going to be the Boy George film actually now, isn't there? Oh, and really? And hopefully they'll. Be, yeah, there's, they're going to do a biopic about him. Ooh, shut that door! I've never known this room to be so noisy. <laughs> um, it's because I've done Thriller as the best intro. <laughs> it's, it's the door thing. Go so yes. Back to school. Did you enjoy school, Lise? Um. <sighs> It's hard, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, what? I was quite good at school and I was, I, was, I was reasonably bright. I did quite well at school. I was, I was a sort of A, a student in English and drama, um, pretty much English and drama, really. But sciences, my sciences weren't too bad. I, I enjoyed learning, actually, but there was the thing of the pressure of the area I grew up on is, was to be tough, to be respected. I was bullied a lot when I was before I got to secondary school, so I had to toughen up and I had to fight back on that. So I, you kind of have to build this uh, thing, you know, uh, armour around you, I guess, to survive. So I kind of did on some levels, but it's painful being a teenager, isn't it? And I think about it, and I watch my kids go through it when you fall out with people or if you're not popular. It's such a tough time to be at school, isn't it? For some, maybe. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, I kind of did, and I, I enjoyed the educational side. And there was, I actually had ambitions to be a lawyer, apart from being one who's been an actress and singer and uh, an entertainer and performer. Entertainer, I can't believe I just said that. An entertainer! <laughs> um, I think red <laughs> putting coat rabbits when I think out of, of yeah, Putting rabbits out of hats <laughs> and stuff. Could have ended up at Butlins. Nothing wrong with that. And, um, yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer as well. Uh, there were other ambitions I had, so I was, and I still am very in interested in law, and it's something I even think about now, studying law, and possibly it's something I may still do if, yeah. if the brain will allow it. It's a bit slower these days. Um, so I enjoyed the educational side of things, but again, it wasn't cool to be clever at school yeah. when I was at school, so you're up against that as well. Yeah, completely. Education is not gonna, doesn't pay for you. That's what was in your, when you leave school, that's what sure. people, and it's the rebellion, isn't mm -hmm. it? I don't know about you. Did you enjoy it was school? Exactly the same. It was same. Exactly the same. It, when it, did you you leave school? I left school in 1989. So how and you how did you leave sixth form or? or I, I did go to college. Yeah. You did. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't do that because I made a record. Yeah. Which can you can feel a bit inadequate sometimes because I'm quite, I mean I'm sort of well learned. I've, I've sort of taught myself, I suppose, reading and whatnot, but. I sometimes sit and think, oh, I didn't go. I, I could have maybe gone to uni, I don't know, and study. Maybe I'll go back, I don't know. You can always Lace, go back. I only went to college. Uh, I, I studied mechanics. 
mm. which is hilarious because I know nothing about cars. <laughs> I couldn't even change a dust cap if I had to. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't space in the art class and the mechanics was next to the art class yeah. and the girls in the art class were the girls that interested me. So I yes. wanted to get as close as I could to hang out <laughs> with the cool art kids. And I went to college purely to start a band. Right. So it was just to kind of surround myself with people that weren't at my senior school. Yeah. People that I thought maybe had similar ideas to me. It keeps you They wasn't in the mechanics well, right? class, I can, yeah. I can tell you that. They, they, they were definitely next door in the art block. <laughs> keeps you out of trouble, I suppose, doesn't it? Staying in school, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like Not for all, everyone, is it? I mean, I think it's shoved down kids' throats today. If you don't go to uni, you're a failure sort of thing. And yeah. I, I don't like that cut because I think uh, there's a lot to be said for the, remember the YTS scheme and yeah. kids being given for uh, apprenticeships to be plumbers yeah. and that, st that, that work and that sort of thing is, 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 is very much, it, it should be, uh, what's the word? I think kids should be sort of not, I don't know. I just think it's, it's tough on kids and a real pressure to be sort of, oh, I've got to go to uni and if I'm not going to uni, what am I? Am I doing anything worthwhile? You know, that sort of pressure of that. I don't think it's encouraged to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, I do think it is that you need to go to university and, and, you know, you should get a degree in this. And, yeah. And, and I do think, God, I don't want to sound like Del Boy, but there, there is that kind <laughs> of element that you can learn a lot by just getting out I there agree and getting with stuck you. in. I agree. This like, is what I'm saying. And it's really unfair on those mm. kind of kids that are like, have that mindset yeah. of, you know, they leave when they're 17, these yeah. kids, and they do incredibly well. Yeah. Um, but now I feel, you know, it's a pre it's a, there's a real pressure on them to kind of go, to, you know, you're setting them up to fail. If, they, if they're not uni material, then what are they doing sort of thing? And you're going to set them up with a great big debt as well. Yes, there's all that. I mean, my daughter's at uni, but then she's studying politics and she's studying sociology. She's a bit of a humanitarian. That's what she, she wants to do something in that area. So that's fair enough. But I do, I do feel for kids, I think, that just end up going to uni. The parents are kind of going, oh, you've got to go. And yeah. then sort of they're thinking, well... Yeah. I'm, just, I'm here, but I'm, I'm not feeling this, and it's not really Absolutely. what I want to be doing with my life, you know. Absolutely. What was the first record you bought, Lise? The first record I bought was Baggy Trousers. And uh, do you, uh, Madness, do you know what, though? I'm not 100% sure, because the other one, who was the, was it Buster Blood Vessel? Bad what Manners. Was, Bad Manners. What was his song? Can Can, Lip Up Fatty, Walking on Sunshine. So it was, I think it was... Special Brew. It must have been Can Can. And I think it was either this or that, but I think oh, it was... Oh, they cover of My Girl Lollipop as well. Oh, which one was it? I loved him. Yeah. I, I almost had a weird crush on yeah. him when I was, he was really because little. Because he was so different, Buster Blood Vessel, wasn't he? Yeah, he was sort of like... And of course, he, was, he had the sort of, he had the bald head, but he could have... It was that time, wasn't it, when, and even with Madness, where you're, with the NF thing and the skinhead yeah. thing, where these bands, you're like, mm, are they... And for yeah. me, obviously, at that time, it, it was weird, because Madness obviously were... They kind of, I think they kind of, did they kind of more or less make it clear that they weren't this Completely. sort of NF skinhead band at that they're time? And obviously they're yeah. not. Um, so there was that. And I think it was the same with Buster Blood Vessel with yeah. Bad Manners, wasn't it? But I really thought he was How incredible. can you like that music and be racist? It's people believe me, people music. can. It's people so can, weird. which astounds me. I see them dancing to hip hop and whatnot. And then, but they are, yes, anyway. That's that thing I think with people where they go, you know, as long as you're entertaining me, yeah. but I'm not going to eat with yeah. you or talk to you or whatever but you know and anyway. you're not alone with madness Lee. so many people have picked madness have they so, and, and especially this generation right because that would have been around that age if yeah. they were around our age and how exciting was was madness videos you know oh, when they you were saw amazing. a madness video it was like they were blokes that you would see down the road they, yeah. they didn't look like george michael or adam mm. they they looked 
like you could go and say hello to them and they'd and they were gorgeous i mean i was you know i was in love with suggs and Chaz, and i know i know him now which is mad yeah that's weird i was thinking he like on facebook or whatever if he'll put a comment or whatever or say so i think oh my god and i still can't get my head around that because i'm like (laughs) i bought your record and i was a massive you know and i still am get a bit I get a bit kind of affected. I've seen Suggs around a couple of yeah. times and I've just not, again, I couldn't have a conversation with someone like that yeah. because I just, it's always going to be, you're always that thing to me. I was lucky. I had Bedders on this podcast and, uh, and, and I was saying to him like, I reckon 50% of people that have been on this podcast have chosen your band. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, of I course. I bet he liked that to like, me. Oh, he was adorable. Yeah. He, was, he was so lovely. He really was. How nice to have that. So yeah, that was, and that was a bloody good record as well. But there's better ones they had. I mean, Must Be Love is just incredible. And, and I think that, and I've said this a, a fair few times, they don't get the credit they deserve. And for, for me, lyrically and musically, they're as important as the kinks for yeah. me. You know, if you yeah. listen to Embarrassment, hmm. talking about a, a mixed-race marriage, yeah. like that kind of social commentary at that time, as you, you touched on earlier, mm. that's... That's quite brave. I think I agree with you. And I think, like you, like you say, for kids like me or black kids growing up, mixed race kids, they did make that th- point of going, we're not part of that. Yeah. And, but we're, you know, we're, do you know what I mean? They're kind of Completely. scar and all that kind of stuff, embracing that. And they were, I agree with you, actually. It's, I think they're quite important. And it's, it's weird when bands are sort of almost written off. As, um, do you think they got caught up in the 80s pop thing where um, often bands are maybe written off so. unless you're Joy Division or whatever you're kind of written off as maybe not, not I don't know I think getting a, a lifetime achievement award at, at the Brits is something that should define your career but when mm. I look at bands like Duran Duran and the Pet Shop Boys that yeah. and I love both them bands but Me too. I do think that Madness had more top 40 hits than any other band in the 80s um, don't get the credit they deserve. And they don't get the credit mm. they deserve. Maybe and they will at some point. Sometimes people, it's weird with music like that, isn't yeah. it? They get that kind of revival yeah. thing or people having a different mindset or per- yeah. perception of them. I think that's happened and they get that moment where, oh, we're finally being properly appreciated here. You know? I think so. I, just, I, I do think that maybe you're right that the fact that they were pop stars yeah I think that's a big thing and I think it's they were pop stars and they had a young fan but and it, sometimes you kind of can be, they got caught up in that maybe I don't know and maybe the nature of the videos being so novelty based yeah. maybe took the shine off of that but then look at Blur look at Country House look at Girls and Boys and Park Life videos yeah. that's madness as, as, as when I hear it yeah and, and they I wonder, were I wonder if that's that is a thing that they influenced that I've never spoke. I mean, I know Damon and I know Graham, and so I know those guys. I've never, I've never. Next time I see one of them, I might ask yeah. them. <laughs> well, they, they, they constantly Madness at, fans. at that point were referencing the Kinks, but yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry, yeah. I know that. I'm having but, a brain um, fart there. Yes, of course. I know that Suxy's favourite song is Waterloo Sunset, um, yeah. and I know what an influence them and and, and again Ian Jury had on on Madness as oh, well. Oh, Ian Jury. What, what they're, they're, now we're talking. What a cool, amazing that music. See that. See me to him. Uh, to me, sorry, he was he set the bar 
way higher even than Madness or the Kinks or any of those people in the way. That music was like another getting into disco and yep. getting into... That's when I really love yeah. rock and roll when people make... Or like yeah. Lou Reed and when people yeah. kind of step into another... Yeah. I was talking about Joy Division and them turning into... Um, oh, my God. New Order. I've had too much, into New Order where they get to New York and they kind of get into the disco sort of house oh, scene. And How did New Order end up hanging out with Arthur Baker and then five yeah. minutes later this incredible music yeah. just explodes? It's amazing. And that's what I really... Usually bands, those kind of bands are the ones I like the most because they're so progressive in that way. Yeah. I tend to not be so much of a... I'm not very retro in that respect, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as, you know, and that's, you know, I kind of... I love the... You know, the kinks are amazing and, the, you know, those songs are amazing, but I tend to sort of be much more with the more progressive sort of... And they yeah. end up going into the sort of a world of electronica. It's kind of more my thing. I think, you know, it's it's important for artists not to stagnate they should progress and they should take risks but in the current climate of the music industry i don't think they get the opportunity to be funded to do that experimentation anymore i think it's a case of if your first record don't sell x amount you're gone you're not going to yeah. get that second album anymore it's, hence yeah the artists that are getting that kind of longevity is ed sheeran adele and things yeah. that are quite cold play that are quite, are quite and, I, and, I, and I, you know, I have nothing against them eyes, but quite safe. Yeah. And your mum's going to like it. Your kids are going to like it. Radio 2's going to like it. Ooh, and that's it's so insulting, sell. sorry, but... And it's going to sell. Like. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind to be in that situation. But yeah, I'm with you on that. And, it, and actually talking about bands or people that do... Someone I admire and is Damon Arban for doing that, from going Completely. to Blur from Part Life to Gorillas to yeah. Good the Bat. It's incredible. Mm. And I don't know if he, I, sometimes I think musicians that achieve that take that for granted. It's so hard to, like you say, I mean, what if Madness of one of them had said, yeah. you know what, let's get in the studio with Grandmaster Flash and let's yeah. make a. Who knows what would have happened? Maybe it wouldn't work. Sometimes it, it completely falls on its ass when, when artists do that. I think in years to come, people will look back at Damon Alban as a Bowie. I do as well. I think he is, and I think he, I don't think I think you're right. And it's it's an, a massive achievement for an artist to have that many different transformations yeah. into different genres and different areas Definitely. of music. Working with and being capable of embracing that, because yeah. most are I think a lot of stuck, and they're the ones I struggle with. They're stuck in the stuck in that bubble thing, yeah. and I kind of think I'm screaming out to go just go and make a record with yeah, Nile yeah, Rogers yeah. or do something yeah. like Bowie did. You know, yeah. absolutely. Track five. The song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. How Ooh. long were you in Clubland, Lise? Oh my God, I'm still in it. <laughs> <laughs> How long was I? I'm still in it. I'm an eternal, I'm, I always say I'm an eternal rave. I'll be raving until I can't walk anymore. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I'm part of the rave generation. I think there's a lot of people my age, and it's odd because I suppose people our age in the 50s, 60s were swinging to jive, you know, jive and 50s music and whatever. And you've got these people with, with kids and grandkids who are in yeah. raves, you know, kind yeah. of getting, you know, getting down to Acid House. But so this record is Derek May and Strings of Life. Had to oh. be this for me. There's others. There's so many others. There's some other obscure ones, but what a re and still now if it comes on it's just amazing it's and I, it's amazing I remember hanging out with him when I'd made the record Rock to the Beat when I was 17 we used to go to the DMC Dis is it Disco Music Championships it was, is what it means the Scratch Championship for the, yeah. the turntable isn't yeah. it yeah yeah so all those dudes were there, and I'm not like this little 17 Derek May was Detroit, wasn't he? Derek May was Detroit as well. Yeah. He, was he, oh, hang on a sec, because I know DJ Pierre was, Wyan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson. Pretty sure he was. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't. I think you're right. Oh, he could be Chicago, but I don't know. I don't want to call it. But it's Chicago or Detroit. I should know this, but 
I hung out with him quite a lot and he was a very serious kind of musician and he was giving me lots of advice. Don't let these motherfucking record labels fuck with you. Make sure you do be true to yourself. And he would say all this stuff to me. Yeah. It was amazing. All those guys were amazing actually because talk, you know, not to, I don't want to go off the, the point here, but the ha whole, uh, in light of the hashtag Me Too movement, I was surrounded by all those dudes and they yeah. were safe as houses. Yeah. You know, I never experienced anything. Yeah. I could, they would talk to me on a level yeah. and I really loved that and remember that yeah. Todd Terry, Benny Connor, he, I actually saw him recently in Ibiza and I'm going to be seeing him, I think, again. And I just, those guys are gods to me. Derek yeah. Maid, uh, Todd Absolutely. Terry. Um, Dave Morales, all these people. So that is really at, at the heart of me when, when, you know, that kind of thing, the dance scene, and I was raving, from, I've been raving since I was 15, 16 when it started, and I still love it now. Yeah. Strings of Life's a fucking incredible it's just record. An, it's, just, it's a masterpiece, I would go as far to say. If you haven't heard it, go and have a listen to it. Well, there's a, a Spotify playlist accompanying uh, this podcast, so go over there and listen to Strings of Life because... If you've never heard it, I can't tell you how much of a treat you're in for. It's a seminal piece of electronic music. It, it is, isn't and it? And put it on loudly. Make sure you've got your good speakers. Yeah. And you've got to be into some people, it's not their cup of tea, is it? Yeah. But um, it's an amazing record. So that would be that record for me. I remember the first time. It would, you were out on a dance floor, so how it how would happen? You'd go to clubs. Or actually, not clubs. Warehouses, arches, you know, where I, I was going to South East London, yeah. these illegal raves. It was amazing. People would open furniture shop basements yeah. and you'd sort of sneak down. And do you know who used to come all the time? Um, Dave Gilmore from uh, Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, everyone would be off their heads on acid and he'd come down. And I remember seeing him stood against the wall, just what observing in a suit. So he, I can't remember the connect. Oh, there was somebody called Barry Knight, name check, who was a security guard for a bodyguard for lots of pop stars in the yeah. 80s. He worked with Pink Floyd. So I think he literally said to Barry, can you take me to one of, you know, I want to come check out one of these raves, which I love that he was kind of like, I want to know what's going on, this revolution yeah. of acid house music. So he came along and there he stood <laughs> watching and I was really freaked out. I was like, everyone's going, it's Dave Gilmore. One of the pioneers embracing the second summer of love. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing, isn't it? And I love that his interest in it. Um, so that was really, really special time for me around that time. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't often in clubs. You weren't allowed in clubs, that kind yeah. of music. It wasn't, it was underground. Yeah. And now you've got it in sort of idents on adverts and stuff, which is so weird. And it's, it's something that I'm really gutted I missed. Yeah, like, did you miss out on it? Uh, by about two years. Is there a raver in you, those, uh, Stu? Um, always. I'm a club promoter. You know? <laughs> that, that would have been the Mecca. And I lived in Essex, and it was all happening on the M25. Yeah, I, was and, I went know. out to Essex. Darren, um, what's his name? God, what's the matter with me from Barking, I think? Or Dagenham. Darren, oh, Lisa. He went out with Kate Thornton, actually. I don't know oh, they were even Darren married. Anderson, Underworld. Yes. Yeah. So Darren used to DJ. I used to go and watch yeah. him DJ at a lot of places mm. and venues, and we'd go out to Essex and yeah. Dag uh, Dagenham, all those areas. Um, that's brought back a few memories. But um, it, yeah, I mean, have you been to any of the big clubs in Ibiza? I mean, they're so yeah. different now. Yeah. And have you had like it's a. It's really strange, Lee. They're very different now to what they were then. I went to Ibiza for the first time two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody was like, go to Cold Cox at Space. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be honest, I. I, I just did not enjoy it. Yeah, I could um, struggle to get into it. It just, it was six packs and... Yeah, see, and, this is such a and, different world now. And, and girls buy swimming pools that wouldn't get in the swimming pool because they didn't want to get their hair wet. And I, I just think, what's going on? Like, where, where's the kind of bohemian 
the, the, yeah, the bohemia well, the, I've heard they call about. It where was the kind Balearic, of... Um, is what is the word, isn't it's it? Balearic, exactly it was, that's that. That's what it'd be. The, and I'm lucky enough to have been there when that was going on. So yeah. people would be in trainers and flip-flops yeah. raving. It wasn't like, you know, all yeah. done up. And, you know, this is just a new... You know, we're older, aren't we? But yeah. it's a shame because, yeah, you really did miss out on that. Now when yeah. you go... I don't often do the big clubs in Ibiza. Yeah. Unless... I, I like Glitterbox. That's a night I really love, which is Joey Negro usually. Sometimes I think Carl Cox does it. That's defective, that's a bit isn't more, it? Defected, I yeah. And, yeah. So the disco sort of house vibe yeah. but um yeah you're right it's it's nothing like more of me like yeah you'd probably more you'd probably f enjoy that a bit more yeah. it's, it's it's a shame because it was more, more about being a bit down down and dirty with that kind of music in the old days but i did go to it's a bit clean now i did go to something i can't think what it was called it's very popular out there it's around a pool in the afternoon and it was a kistery thing uh, oh yeah. Oh, what's it's the not, uh, not, uh, not, what was Ocean it? Beach. Yes, so that's I went a good there. fun place. It's a history because it was my mate's fortieth, so we we're all all uh, we was all old buggers out, and <laughs> and they were playing lots of kind of club classic stuff, and uh, and they play Strings of Life. Oh, did everyone and go nuts? I was nuts? like, I'm having this. <laughs> like, yeah, It's weird though, isn't it? Do, do, dancing to that record in a play. And O-Beach is amazing. My friend Tony owns that place. I don't know if you know. Do you know Tony Truman? I don't know. He's a very nice man. He owns that place and it's, it's, he's absolutely smashing it with it. But um, it's, it's, yeah, I'd love you to have put like this very much like we were sitting in, just for people who can't see us, we are sitting in a basement of the Queen of Hoxton and it's dark and it's dingy. That's where you need to hear it. Yeah, when definitely. it's dark and the lights don't work definitely. properly, a dodgy smoke machine, yeah. you know, everyone's sweating, the walls dripping. Yeah. It's sort of where you need to hear, yeah. to experience it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry you missed out on that, Stu. <laughs> That's right. I have to try and create that situation for <clears throat> you, maybe. Um, right, so I want to move forward a little bit to Kill City. Yep. And so how did that come about? How did 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 you how did the band come about and how did you mm. come to the attention of Alan McGee who yeah. had set up Pop Tones and for those that aren't aware of Pop Tones it was post creation. Yes. He set up a, a, a new label called Pop Tones which yeah. there was a hell of a lot of hype about when it when yeah. it came to fruition and were the Hive signed to Pop Tones? Yeah, I can't remember if they managed them or whether they were signed to them yeah. I can't remember it was one or the other yeah. they, it's possible that he managed them Yeah, and they weren't signed to them but I, I could have that wrong Yeah, basically but they were pretty good actually mm -hmm. weren't they? Yeah, I like the Hives um, so that came about I knew Alan obviously because uh, I knew Oasis and yeah. I met Alan via my friendship with Oasis and um, when I'd sort of had my last deal, I'd sort of fall after my, my last deal that I'd had. I'd had like a, a couple. I'd had the Jive Records deal with the Acid House thing, moved on to Polydor, tr started making an album, then got dropped. And this would of often happen as an artist. You yeah. get picked up. They don't know what to do with you. You don't yeah. know what you're doing. You kind of, you know, they're like, OK, let's write that off. So uh, the last deal I had was Go Beat was the record, the, the I'm Your Man, George Michael song, and also my song, Mr. Friday Night. Sorry to interrupt, Lisa. I just right. want to just say quickly, like, how did you deal with that being dropped and then having to sort of pick yourself up and go and find yourself another deal, write new music, and, mm. and then, you know, and then you get dropped again, and then he's right, okay, I'm to the next thing. How, was you resilient, and did you have, like, you know, high levels of drive. I suppose I was, yeah. I mean, in between, so you'd have a deal, you'd get an advance, I'd be living in a nice flat and sort of, you know, being dependent and kind of getting bloody uh, free, you know, a, a, a taxi account and all that kind of crap. And then suddenly you don't have a deal and then I'd be doing the door at yeah. Ministry of Sound or whatever, yeah. which I, I did things like jobs like that and um, which are fantastic when you're sort of younger and you can yeah. sort of, you know, get a bit of cash in. 
Um, but yeah, it was quite tough in that way because you're kind of swinging. One minute you're, and it's disheartening because you're like, oh God, I've been dropped. Is anyone ever going to, this is the, the eternal yeah. issue with an artist unless you're lucky enough to be yeah. a blur or an oasis where you just fly and you never yeah. ever get dropped and you just carry on. But if you go through the cycle, maybe at the beginning of your career, it can be really tough. Um, and you, you know, obviously self-doubt. I think with me as well, I, I wasn't, I maybe, if I'm honest, sort of, it's difficult. You're dealing with a label who are trying to tell you what they want you to be. You're struggling to figure out what you're wanting to do musically and put across because you've got so many, you've got your marketing team telling you. And I was signed as a female artist. I remember someone saying it was, it's trendy for, for mixed race girls. There was a time, Nena Cherry, so labels do that, don't they? Oh, quick, let's sign a million mixed race girls. It's a yeah. new thing. So there's that element of it. I wasn't <laughs> fucked up. So that it is really fucked it's up. It's on and trend it was that age to get a mixed race. It is. It's the age of labels doing that. So yeah. it was past the age of like you talking about bands, where that's much easier when there's a, nu yeah. a four, a nucleus of four of you or five yeah. of you in a band. You're all together. You've got a clear idea of. But when you're a solo artist, yeah, you're trying to find find your niche and sort of get that right. And you've got all these conflicts. So anyway, to answer your question, it was quite tough but I was very resilient and for me I was always well I'm lucky to have got a deal and there's no I've got no other choice you know I have, I'd be working on club doors and I think well I don't want to be doing this and I was lucky enough to get picked up but then by the third record deal you're in your 20s and then because of my personal relationships the the media thing took a hold and that started to have a big effect and 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 then it became a the tabloid fodder bullshit thing yeah um, For those which that I aren't aware, you, you, you have a child have with make, Liam. With, yeah, and you with have Liam. I have a child with Pete. Pete Doherty, yeah. Which often, <laughs> I'm laughing because when you go, can you imagine going for a date and trying to tell someone, so what do the fathers of your children do? <laughs> um, I'm like, okay. So, yeah, and it, it, to me, and someone said to me actually once, there another singer said, I don't know why people get so uh, excited about the fact you've got kids with singers. You're a singer, you're yeah. in the industry. Yeah kind of happens you know you meet other yeah. people that do what you do we yeah. work in the office you're an office manager you kind yeah. of marry the whatever head of whatever it just is what happens and um, I, I purposely wasn't going to go there in this yeah, interview no, it's only fine. the fact you reference it I would we're say talking who they were. no yeah. we're talking candidly it's no it's no secret I've got no I've got no reason to hide it I'm not yeah. ashamed of it um what I don't like is I take to task and I have been so much and I still am is fighting that war of, of what the tabloids do to, can do to you and yeah. the perception they put out of you, the lies they put out and what yeah. and people believing it. Yeah. So that really had a massive effect. I think in the world of, you know, the, um, the man's world, yeah. the woman's demonized, it's the yeah. same thing. You know, you've seen it with Yoko or whoever. It's It's kind of... Our precious boys, these women have come along to these sort of, you know, I don't know as <laughs> if you've kind of cast a spell on these men and you're some kind of uh, but, a demon sure, or something. I don't know. It's odd. odd. That journey that far hmm. surely has given you some amazing pearls of wisdom to pass down onto your children who are oh, going to be in the media's eye. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been protective of that, that with them. My daughter's 21 now. She's kind of bit getting slightly more pushed into that light. Um, you know, I've said she's a beautiful looking girl. She's at uni. If she gets offered something, um, uh, you know, some kind of in the modeling world or whatever, she, she'll do it and she'll do it within reason. And um, I've said take it with a, all with a pinch of salt, really, with my kids. And I've tried to, tried to keep them out of that yeah. world as much as I can. And I have done so far. My son's completely out of that. He's only 15, 16. So they're yeah. very down to earth. They know what's what. They're not deluded. And it's hard. I've said it's very difficult for you having, not with me, because I'm not the well-known parent. Their parents are really well-known, especially my daughters, that you will always get that. Oh, it's only because of your dad. It's only because yeah. of your dad. Yeah. But I've said to her, so what? 
you know, say to them, if they, you know, if you have a parent and you, if you, if you get advantages of because of what your parent does, Absolutely. that's the way it is, you know. Absolutely. You're not going to kind of say no to, yeah. to, to, to pander to other people or Completely. whatever. So you've got to just do what be true to yourself. Live your so. own life to the best you can. Yeah. So, yeah, but so going back to the music, I ended up for... Oh, hello, Roger, Roger. I ended up for a few years... I have no idea what that is. We're trying to... Thank you. <laughs> this is so funny. Bless him. He's coming over to join us. <laughs> that was amazing. I feel like I'm in a beat. There's loads of Spanish quite sort strange, of. strange, isn't it? It's amazing. We can definitely edit that bit out. Yeah, we can edit that out. Um, so, yes, yeah. what was I saying? Where was I? Just, um, I was talking to you before we, uh, we, we spoke about your, your children briefly. Um, yeah. I was talking about um, how resilient you was to, to, to being dropped and things like that and then and sort of regathering yourself and, you know, Starting yeah. again to find another label. Was you was you always confident, Lise? Was you a show off? Uh, yes, I was at school. I got told I got told that by teachers a lot. You know, stop showing off, Lisa Morish. Get off that table. You know, there's a lot of that. That is a lot of that is insecurity. Um, I think I'm I'm I still am. I can be very insecure. I think there's a lot of shaming about admitting that stuff. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. No, whatever your slightest. situation, however you've been formed. You can own it and, and fuck what people think. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff, isn't there? And if you're not if you're not confident, if you don't self have self respect, if you don't respect, you know, a lot of people have a lack of self respect or whatever because of their situation. We're all skin and bones, right? We're all skin and bone. And, and wait until you've walked in someone's shoes before you judge. I can't yeah. judging. You know, there's a lot of judgmentalism, isn't there, in amongst human beings? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I was very sort of insecure, I think, as a kid. And I, and I thought, I think thinking that I, being a famous singer, I felt would resolve that if, the, if, yeah. if I could get people loving me for what I do and get that attention. I think that's a lot of where it comes from with a lot of singers. I think Very much so. Often with entertainers, if you ask them about their childhood, you'll often hear the similar story of them, maybe some bullying or neglect somewhere yeah. along the line. It's a common theme. Yeah. It's what can drive, give you that yeah, drive. Completely. Not in all cases, of course, but in I, I many, many cases. Or you're the slightly odd kid or the different kid. Yeah. And it can spur you on because it's... But the different kids become the more interesting kids. Totally. Absolutely. Um, when you're a bit isolated and out there and different, it's usually, it can make you, you know, it can give, it can lead you in good stead, if that's completely. how you, if that's how you put it. Yeah. So... Where we initially started with this question was so how yes. did how did how did um, you <laughs> Alan come to the Alan McGee situation? Who, who's so a film made about him at the moment? He is, which is I can't wait to see yeah. this. And Have you, you seen and Brem, what you he, and Bremner looks like? He looks him? incredible, doesn't he? It's amazing. He? Isn't it's it? it's going to be amazing. What an amazing actor he is! It's such a good choice. It's going to be brilliant. Um, so that I was always a massive Blondie uh, fan as a as yeah. a girl. Like I say, I was much more of a soul girl, but I did like my pop and my rock and Duran Duran and whatnot. Um, so I, th I think this was me indulging in my rock and roll side, so yep. to speak. Um, and I'd gone to Alan and I'd said, you know, I'm, I, I want to make music. I'm really frustrated. Nobody will look at me. No one will touch me. It's become, you know, this tabloid thing has kind of blown it for me. Yeah. And he was amazing. He's like, you know what? I'm going to give you a shot. I've, I, I've got an idea. You know, it came from him. He said, I think you should, you know, what about trying something maybe sort of a little bit electronica, a bit of punk vibes. Yeah. And I'd never explored that before as a, as a singer or an artist, but I knew it was in me because it's something yeah. that I love listening to. So I ended up making the album with Kill City. But you know what? It's, I've got it's a bitter pill actually because doing that album with Alan with Pop Tones, that's where it all went really wrong for me because, uh, and I'll be really, I'll, I'll say it. I mean, it was the world. Of, I find it interesting because in the dance world, 
people just talked about my music. They weren't interested in who I was and what I was getting up to or not getting up to. Um, but as soon as it got to the Indies, and of course, off the back of the tabloid thing, they could not leave my personal life alone. And I'm talking about so-called music magazines, and I'll name them as NME and magazines like that. It's comments and, and constant sort of focus on your personal life. I'm like, You're, this isn't about music. It led to a situation where I remember, re I remember reading a comment from somebody once. This is how stupid people are saying, you know what, I really liked her music, but I found out she's got kids with a kid with Liam Gallagher. And I thought, how oh, fucking so You like the music, but you've decided now that you know about my personal life and what you've read in a tabloid. You're not going to like the record anymore. You either like it or you don't fucking like it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't go around sort of checking if I hear a new record. Let me just check how many people that person might have slept with yeah. or what they're... What they're you know what I mean? It was absolutely yeah. mad. I'm like, am I being treated like a... Or viewed as... Like you say, people might be more more up for playing a Michael Jackson record than they'd yeah. be for listening to one of my records. <laughs> and how fucking mad is that? Because they're reading that's, the papers that's like the sun. Though, oh, yeah, I mean. it is. But the sad thing is, I've got to say, a lot of people say to me a lot, oh, well, I know the truth and I don't buy into that. People were buying into it because it's like, well, if you won't see me to listen to my record in a record label because you're worried about what the sun are writing about me, I'm not marketable. You know, it's, but anyway, the indie music world for me was where it all really, and I, I've got a real bone of content and I don't know why but that's that was the difference now going back I've gone back to dance music now and still to this day if you look at if I look at any I don't sit looking at my comments of but obviously now every now and now and again I want to check how many plays I've had or whatever or what how some of my old music is still being viewed and this is you know that's a great mix I love that mix they did of this you'll never see anything about me yeah. as, as me what's going on in my personal life and I don't know why that is well, it's credit to the music it is isn't it and, and it's disappointing for me. And I was shocked that getting into that world of rock and roll, that that's what happened. I couldn't believe, I was really genuinely shocked. I thought this is supposed to be a world of liberalism and people kind of, oh, you know, non-judgment and, and just everyone doing what, you know, like yeah. like the French. I remember Marianne Faithful saying to me, oh, a bit as a name drop, wasn't it? Bang, clang on the floor. But that's she said one, to me, why don't you move to Paris? She said, that's what I did. I moved to France and I thought about it and started making music there because I couldn't deal with it anymore of the, the sort of scrutiny based on her, the obsession with her sex life with Mick Jagger and, and whoever. So she moved to France and they've got a very different liberal, they don't sort of demonise women so much for you know, um, yeah, whatever they, uh, you know, they're not moralistic, basically, the way they are in this country. I think the UK is so Victorian. Some, oh, they're not married. Oh, they've got two fathers. With one. You know, it's this sort of, what, what? In 2019? It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's ridiculously fucking crazy. It's not very fucking rock and roll, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and it probably wouldn't have been the case if it was a male artist. Absolutely not. Otherwise, why yeah. that would have happened? Nobody ever thinks about that. Um, yeah. And you get people coming up to you. I remember this boy and I, I, coming up to me at a gig. I was doing a show. I used to tour a lot with the Paddingtons when I at Kill City. And we were at a show and a young lad came up to me. And this is, and I blame directly tabloids for this. This is what they cause. Which one's better? Pete or Luke? You know, questions, things like right in my face. And I had to say to him, if you don't remove yourself from me right now, you're gonna, I'm going to hit you. Get out of my face. And it, 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 that's the sort of thing that comes of it. And it's yeah. like, wow, you know, this is what you sort of reduced to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. So here I am. So that's what happened with Alan. He gave me a shot. Always be, always, I love him for that. But he was literally the only one in the music industry that was like, I don't really give a shit, Lisa. What you do or yeah. don't do, doesn't, there's no relevance to, your yeah. make, to you as an artist. I want, I'm going to make an album. And it was a good album as well. I'm proud of that. 
And all my, it was sad because my, my, my bass player, Pete Jones, he's actually the brother of Rob Brydon, randomly. He's a Welsh fellow and he's very funny, a very talented musician as well. He used to say, you know, that band was so good and just because of all the shit with you that you were getting, nobody would give it a chance. And that was a fact. Such bollocks. It is. We got um, a record of the week or something in the NME and they found out I was, I was, uh, I had, who my kids' fathers were, something like that, or the second child I had, my son, and they went cold on it for that reason. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> That's what happened. You know, so it's, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? But anyway, here we go. That's in the past. So looking forward. Right. So let's, let's move on to um, track six, which is a favourite song from an artist from your home county. Well, so I'm a Brixton girl mm -hmm. and our beloved Mr. David Bowie is also yeah. a Brixton boy. Well, there's this thing about Bromley and Brixton. I'm not actually 100% actually sure. I'm going Do you know? Brixton. I'm going with Brixton, but I yeah. th unless he lived in Bromley. I think he did lived in both. I'm, and I, I'm definitely going Brixton for Bowie. Yeah. So Mr. Bowie, yeah, and it's Ashes to Ashes. There's so many of his songs, maybe, I think people will be like, why did you choose that one? But it's probably the, the more sort of uh, soulful dance record uh, in the early step before yeah. he got into the chic sort of, uh, sorry, Noel Rogers years. Yeah. Um, and I just love Ashes to Ashes so, so much. And Steve, Str is Steve Strange in that video? He is. Yeah, and Steve Strange, who I Boy hung out George with a lot. And he was so angry. I bet. He was so angry when uh. he saw Steve Strange in that video and he wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> Read that in his book. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Of course you would be, wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, I really, 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 really love that record. And Steve Strange was a friend of mine, actually, in the, in the late 80s, sort of early 90s. We used to hang out quite a lot. Um, and God rest his soul. Very missed. Um, so, yeah, Ashes to Ashes. Oh, that's a wonderful record. And let, let's, let's just touch on Steve Strange a bit, because as a, as a mm. fellow club promoter, mm. um, and my, my venue in Essex, the Pink Toothbrush, was called Crocs right. uh, in 1980. And the resident band was Depeche Mode. Um, wow. And Culture Club played their first show there. Um. Uh, and there was only the two real clubs in and around, or in London, on the outskirts of London. Mine was one of them. It's pre-me being there, obviously. Yeah. And, and the other one was, was Blitz. Yeah, and, Blitz, Steve, and Steve Strange. And what, um, Spandau I'm Boys. I'm obsessed with, with that era. The, the, of, the, what, of, what's, of hang on, what's the matter with me? The Rome, New Romantics. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Like, that whole thing. And... and and aside from what he done there, like, Fade to Grey by Visage. What an incredible record. Fucking amazing record. We fade to Grey. Yeah, it's really amazing. And it's a sh and bless him, he died, didn't he, when he was a few years ago now. And I, I'm so sad because I didn't get, make it to his 50th birthday party and I, didn't, I hadn't seen him for years. So it's one of those things, a lot of people have that, don't they, where you kind of don't see someone and they pass. But, About um, a year before he such passed. A, it's a, such a waste and a shame. We brought him out to the club. Oh, did and he you? performed, yeah. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, he was, he was glorious. Oh, oh, wow. I wish I'd seen that. But yeah, so that's quite a tune. So that, that record, for that reason as well, not it's about the song, but also the fact that Steve's in the video is, is another sort of yeah. double whammy, really a big bonus. Massive Bowie fan? Me? Mm. Oh, absolutely, yes. I absolutely am. Uh, and again, a bit of a late starter with David Bowie. My, my family, uh, my parents had... Uh, the record, one of his albums, and I can't remember which one it was when I was growing up, and I didn't pay any attention. I just thought, well, who's that, whatever, the guy with all the makeup, I wasn't really, this is yeah. when I was really not into my teens yet. Yeah. 
um, five, six, seven, or whatever it was. So it was much later, probably late teens, again, early 20s, where I started yeah. exploring the rock and roll world. Um, but Let's Dance, I knew really well, but, and that was the record I was drawn to as a child yeah. because it was dance and it was yeah. disco, um, which was my thing and still yeah. is, really. That was Noel Rogers. How brilliant that he did that. That was Noel Rogers. Yeah. Him making that decision, those reinventions he did of himself, what an absolute genius. And, you know, as, as his career went through the, the 90s, there were some, some, some moments where maybe it didn't have the, the commercial success that some of the, the, the stuff pre that had, but that's... That's the artist, isn't it? The someone that's like, well, look, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, I've got my career to a point where I can afford to do this yeah. as well. Mm. And and I just think ups and downs of his career. That there's parts of Bowie I'm not a fan of. That you know, Tim Machine didn't do it for no, me. No, I, I was about to say Tim. I went to see Tim Machine. Did you? Did you? I suppose you was at the gig at the Borderline, was you? No, I my wasn't. My friend turned up at the Borderline. And just went, I'm going to go, oh, there's some bands on, let's go and watch them. And they'd done a secret show. And he walked in and he said, there was like literally like 50 people there. Seeing him that close, can you imagine? I think I'd have to grab onto his ankles and start crying. Oh, I did meet him afterwards at the Tim Machine gig. Let's just say I'd been up for quite a few hours. Right. And I went with an, another singer. I'm not going to drop, I don't want to drop names actually. I have dropped a couple maybe. But I, I, I went backstage with these people and, and I was stood outside the room because it was David Bowie and I was freaked out, number one. Yeah. And number two, I was a little bit... Uh, <clears throat> shall we say a little bit wasted yeah. and he came out and poked his head out and said who are you come and come in to the room what, you, don't be shy and I literally nearly ran away and I couldn't again it was one of those moments where I couldn't look him in the eye and I was acting like a you know a yeah. weirdo because it was him I just couldn't deal with it yeah David Murray <laughs> yeah um, big big fan Amazing. More of the later stuff, really, I suppose, when I yeah. think about it, than the yeah. early sort of seventh, in his first early stuff, yeah. if I'm honest. Last track. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. I hope I got this right that not many people, because often when I play this, people go, oh, I've never heard this. I don't know about this song. So this is Peter Tosh, and yep. this is Legalise It, a song about legalising cannabis. Mm -hmm. Do you Did you know this record? I did, yeah. You do. So maybe I'd, I'd be interested. I mean, I hope people are not listening to this and going, oh, I know that record, because I, I feel like it's one of those obscure ones. I've often played it around people, and they've gone, oh, I don't really know this song. Yeah. And I grew up around Peter Tosh and Bob Marley. That was what was in the house when I was a baby, very, very young. And um, it was my dad, my stepdad, we had massive speakers. It was reggae. It was lots of West Indians um, and Jamaicans and Guyanese people. A lot of, lot, of, <laughs> lot of spliff in the air. That was the sort of vibe in, uh, growing up. It was amazing. And my, my dad, who I call dad, he's not my biological father, but he's, um, I call him dad. He um, used to work for a band called Steel Pulse. Of course. Amazing, and my dad. stepdad was a lighting engineer for Steel Pulse. So wow. uh, I grew up with them. They used to come and lay on our living room floor. I'd wake up and go to, sc going to school, stepping over all these Rastafarians in the front room to grab my bag or whatever. Um, and we'd go and see them all the time. So that was what I grew up with. And Peter Tosh was a, a huge... My mum loved Peter Tosh. She loved Bob Marley, but that's that. The, the, they were the sort of stars that were idolised in the house. And I actually didn't like reggae as a kid because it was always played. It's yeah. that thing your parents play. Yeah, I of literally, course. I loathed it as mm. a little kid. Oh, God's sake, and this pounding, you know, like, it was really loud. The it's speakers strange. we had were huge. It is strange how, like, some of the stuff that your parents play at the time, you just think, oh, God, it's my mum and dad's music. But it makes its dent, doesn't it? Oh, it yeah. It does kind of find its way in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, so I, 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 I had a, a rediscovered my love affair with reggae when I got older. 
and now it's like, but Peter Tosh almost, Bob Marley had that slightly more c commercial thing to yeah. him, I guess. Yeah. He made pop records, which mm. is great. I love pop music, I'm not knocking it. But Peter Tosh was always slightly more an edgy sort of underground, wasn't he, I guess. Yeah. And then sadly, was, was he shot? I think he was shot. I think he was. I think he was murdered. Um, he was incredible. So, yeah, I love this record. And now, of course, it's very relevant, uh, prevalent because of what's going on with the cannabis uh, oil thing or legalizing cannabis and it becoming legalized in certain parts of America. Um, I'm not a smoker. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not a smoker. I don't like smoking weed. I never used. I, I used to as a teenager. I used to smoke it a lot. I can't. I don't know what I was. I don't know how I did that because I really can't stand it. I only have to look at it and I feel like I'm going to have a whitey and fall over. Yeah. Um, but I do. I'm, I'm a big advocate of cannabis oil. Yeah. So, um, but this record, it's funny. I don't know. There's one. There's one lyric in it where he says, uh, "It's good for the asthma." I'm not quite sure about that. Not sure about that, Pete. I'm not quite sure he's smoking copious amounts. I'm getting of, the doctor's opinion on that I'm one. I'm not sure. Even doc, the doctor smoke it. You know, the, the governor smoke it. I'm doing my Jamaican here right now. So anyway, he was um, a big advocate of that. And that song is so brilliant. And it's such a... I just love it. It's like my, I think it's my favourite reggae song of all time. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cracking track. Yeah. Okay, Lise, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been really, really nice uh, having a catch-up and a chat, and, and thank you so much for giving up your time. You're very welcome. Pleasure. Cheers, Lise. Thank you. There you go. That's the end of that. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks once again to Lisa. Um, it was lovely to catch up with her and have a good chat. Um, super interesting lady. Um, yeah, and we will see you next time. Um, I'm trying to remember who's out next week. I can't remember. You'll have to wait. Have a lovely week, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again for the support. Cheers. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah? Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Eat 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.